Hello and welcome everybody to the Cross Point Church Scripture Podcast. It's that time again to dig into a verse of Scripture found in our version verse of the day on whatever day it happens to be that I'm recording this. <laughs> and uh, we like to dive in and look at our verse three ways to find out what it meant to its original audience and their context. We like to broaden the context and just look at you know the verses above and below and maybe even the whole chapter or book to just try to deepen the theme and shed some more light on it. And so that's what we're going to do today. And then as always, we're going to look for where and how can we see Jesus in this verse, seeing as Jesus said himself and the rest of the New Testament is pretty adamant that all scripture in some way or another points towards Christ. And so we'd like to just figure out um, whether we can see that for ourselves or not. And uh, along the way, we're always going to make a few comments uh, to help us see how we can strengthen our walk with Christ, since that's the point here. We're following Jesus for God's glory here at Cross Point Church, and uh, so Scripture should help and strengthen us for that journey. And then last but not least, if you're listening to this and you aren't attending Cross Point Church, man, I am glad you are here. Thank you for listening. really appreciate that. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast and um, think any of your friends or family would benefit from it, then, of course, recommend it. All right, guys, so today our our scripture comes from 1 John. So it's towards the back of your Bible and towards the back of your New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation. Okay, that's how it ends. And so we're going to be in 1st John, chapter 1, well-known verse 9. Okay, 1st John, chapter 1, verse 9. And reading from the ESV, it reads like this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we'll just read through it one more time. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. So, man, I think right off the bat, two things. One, um, it's very possible we've heard this verse before. If you have anything to do with Christianity and with the church, and if you've been coming along for a little while, I've heard some sermons. Um, This is often a verse that people who are newer to the faith are encouraged to memorize. I will add my voice to that. If you are newer to the faith, get 1 John 1, 9 and memorize it. You can do it. It's no longer than a phone number. You have many phone numbers in your head, I'm sure. So put this along with it. Memorize this verse so it's ready at hand and it's right there for you. But the reason is this verse covers, it's like kind of the strange you're looking through all the beams in your house, maybe you're up in the attic or down in the basement and you can see all these beams that support the structure of your house. And then you have some main beams that are important. And maybe you've even went to make some renovations or some remodeling. And they said, look, you can take this out, you can knock that out, but you can't knock this beam out or you're going to bring half your house, your house down. (laughs) And I know we've had that experience here at the church before, you know, you kind of look with new respect at the certain beam that was taking up some space when they tell you, you can tear that down if you want, but then a third of your building is going to fall in. So I wouldn't do that if I were you. This is one of those verses that's so central to the Christian faith that um, it goes way beyond the scope of our program here to explain it all. So we're not going to try to do that, but what we can do is just broaden the context a little bit and give us some understanding. So first, let's just look at the actual verse itself in depth. 
First of all, there's a requirement. It starts with something we have to do if we confess our sins. Okay? If we confess our sins. It pays to look at that word confess and and see what it's, you know, what's the meaning? What did the original writer and the Greek word he used, what would it mean? You may or may not have heard before that the Greek word that is often translated as confess has as, as its original meaning to say the same thing, to say the same thing if we confess. So the idea being God has an opinion on our behavior. And the thing is with God, it's always more than an opinion because he's all powerful and all knowing and he's holy. And so if he thinks it's wrong, it is, <laughs> you know, in a very basic way. So for Christians, now I understand if you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Christ yet, and I'm glad you're here, I'm glad you're listening. And I completely understand that that goes outside of your worldview. That makes sense to me. So, you know, whether the Christian God has an opinion on my behavior or not is irrelevant if I'm not following him. And I agree with that. But just so you can know that for us, for those of us who have committed our lives to Christ, um, we believe that God is the creator and therefore the moral center of the universe. And so if he says it's wrong, it is. And if we disagree with him, there's not something wrong with him. There's something wrong with us and we need to change. And so here we're starting even before changing. So this verse is not even talking yet about changing your behavior. That's very important to remember. The word confess means to just learn to, in truth, from your heart and from your mouth, agree with what God says about the ways you've gone wrong. If we confess our sins, do you see that? So what does it look like to not confess our sins? Well, it would look like denying or excusing or disagreeing with God. Those are kind of your options, you know? Denying, you can just hide from it. I don't want to say one way or another. I just won't acknowledge it. That's unconfessed. Disagreeing with God and his word and just saying, hey, he says this is wrong, but I say it's not. Or I see that the Christian Bible says this is wrong, but I think the Christian Bible needs to change. So those are just ways to say that you're not confessing your sins, okay? But what the first John 1 John 1.9 is laying down is that if we confess our sins, if we say the same thing about our behavior as God does, then he, God, is faithful and just. He will do it, and it's okay for him to do it. Do you see that? He will. He's faithful. It's right for him to do it. He's just. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that could be the end of it there. You see that? So we say it's, he says it's a sin. I agree. Say, God, you're right and I'm wrong. This is wrong what I'm doing. You're right and I confess it freely. Then he's faithful and just to forgive us. End of story, right? But what happens in 1 John 1, 9 is there's and. And it says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this belief or action that we've had, which is sinful, it always ends up with some results in our life. So our opinions and thoughts and behaviors always build other opinions and thoughts and behaviors around it, and they form into habits and sometimes into addictions. And so then we become filled with unrighteousness. And if we confess our sins, that enables God to begin that process or I guess a better way to put it might be 
it grants us access into that process where God can begin to clean that out of our life. But it all starts just looking at 1 John 1, 9. That whole process begins with a confession of our sins. And then God has set himself up in such a way that with that confession, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So lots of stuff here, you know, obviously, you know, lots of stuff here. We can't get into all of it, but let's get into a little bit of it just by going up a few verses and kind of putting this in the context that it, that it serves in the first chapter of John. So let's just go up to verse five and read a little bit of verses before kind of asking ourselves, this is a, a way to put context. Very important question to ask the Bible saying, what brought this up? Why is John talking about confessing our sins and that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins? You know, why are we talking about this? It's a great question to ask, and it's one of the reasons not to just read a Bible verse and then close your Bible. You want to know, why did this come up? What's the context? Because maybe this is why it should come up in my life, or maybe if I think I disagree with or don't understand this verse, maybe it's because I keep coming in on the middle of a conversation and I need to go back to where the conversation started and join it. So let's look at the original context here. In verse five, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. We know from First John that he's talking about Jesus here. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, L-I-E, and do not practice the truth But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that brings us up to verse 8. So just quickly here, the message that we've heard from Jesus is that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. So it's using pictures here. You know, Christians don't believe that God is actually light. This is a metaphor here. We believe that in the same way that light illuminates everything so that you can see it, God is that way. You know, In him, there's no darkness at all. There's no lying. There's no hiding. There's no, it, it looks this way, but you can't see it because it's dark. And so since God is like that, if we say that we walk with him, then that light will be in us. We can't walk with God in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with other people if we walk in darkness. Okay, so as usual, lots here. You could say, well, what about this? What about this? I understand that. There's plenty of room for what about this, and you can find books and sermons on this all over the place, but just trying to discipline ourselves to stick with the context here, that's the stage that the author of 1 John is setting, is just saying this is who God is in his nature, and so if we say we fellowship with him, then this is how we'll be too. So that if God shines a light on something and we try to hide it in the dark, then we're, then we're kidding ourselves that we have fellowship with him. And then it, without asking, it kind of brings, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And you're kind of going, uh, yeah, I know that, but there's a reason why I hide a lot of what I do. <laughs> you know, I'm scared. I'm wrong. I'm willful. I'm a sinner. That's why... I started hiding in the first place. So to just simply say, I have to be in the light, then what am I going to do? Like if he sees this, if other people see this, what are they going to do? What am I going to do? 
That's why it just follows from there. So he doesn't directly bring that up, but he assumes it. And he says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's kind of assumed and they're like, I know we are scared and or willful and don't want to bring it up because it's hard when you're wrong and it's hard to face shame and embarrassment. But when we bring it up, when we agree, God doesn't go, aha, that's what I thought and now you're done. Instead, because of the crucifixion of his son, Jesus Christ, he says, I'm so glad that you've come to me and been honest because you are forgiven and I needed you to know that. I don't want you to hide because if you don't hide, I'm going to get you. If you hide, you can't come meet me here at the cross where your sins are forgiven. The blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. And then in verse 8, he leads us into 9 by saying, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he's just kind of spelling out what he meant by God is light. If we live in darkness, we don't have fellowship with him. Verse eight, if we have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Then by contrast, we're into our verse nine, but if we confess our sins, okay? So that's the context. And then he wraps the package back up. So after nine comes 10, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar. So first, he, John has said, when you say you don't have any sin, you're lying because you do, because all people do. And then he reinforces it in 10 by saying, if you keep confessing that you have no sin, then you're making God a liar because God says you are a sinner. and You say you're not. You can't escape from a Christian worldview, from a God-centered place, from a scriptural view. You cannot say you are not a sinner. If God says you are, you're saying he's lying because he definitely says humanity is lost in sin. And they need me. And if you say, no, well, I'm not, then you have accused the maker of the universe of being a liar. And his word is not in you then. See that from 10? If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay. I mean, just very briefly, because, you know, again, so much can be said. I just, it, it hits, it pops into my mind right now to just say that verse 10 seems to go against what a lot of people think that Christians think. So this has just been my experience. So from the outside, I've heard this a lot. The idea seems to be, and then there's bad examples of people who say they're Christians, but their actions lead people to believe that to be a Christian means you think you're better than other people. Like if you say you're a Christian, you're implying that that means you're more moral and, and a better person than the other people around you and that they need to become Christians. The hard thing about that is verse 10 is closer to the heart of being a Christian when it says, if we say we, ha- we us personally have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. You understand? So from our verse, our entire verse here, John 1, 9, and it's surrounding, first John 1, 9, and it's surrounding context. We're seeing that what's actually at the heart of Christianity is not, I have become a Christian, therefore I'm better than other people. It's I have become a Christian by admitting that I'm better than no one and that I desperately need God's help, you know? So if you still disagree with Christianity, don't want to be a Christian, I understand that, but please don't disagree with a false version of it. You know, those, anyone who's made you, and there are plenty of examples who are like, I'm a Christian, ergo, I'm better than you. It means I'm more moral. I do less evil. And so you're bad and I'm good. And that's why you should become a Christian. Uh, we know here from first John one nine, you can't become a Christian 
unless, right? If we confess, then he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can't become a Christian unless you say, I'm as bad as everyone else and I need help. <laughs> you know, so, okay, so I'll let that one alone, but that just occurs to me from the context. Um, can we see Jesus in these verses? Um, where Jesus stands is he was the door that opened. So do you see that? Um, verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If God's all holy and we're not, how can we have fellowship with him? Well, because the blood of Jesus's son cleanses us from all sin. So it's interesting because if you go back and you read your gospels, Jesus's life, and as always, I'm sure there's many ways to look at that. I'm not saying this is the only way this scripture points to Jesus, but it's just one strong way that occurs to me. As Jesus was living his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see that every a lot of times when he enters the scene, he makes other people look bad. Now, hear what I mean by that. It's not so much that he was doing it on purpose, like Jesus doesn't go around putting anyone down. But by his behavior, the fact that he knew what God wanted and always did what God wanted because he was God in the flesh, then by contrast, the people around him often became, it became clear that they were sinners. So Jesus was the light of God and he would enter into these situations and, oh, you know, this tax collector loves money more than, or this rich young ruler loves money more than he loves God. And it becomes evident because he's talking to Jesus and it starts to shine the light on it. Or Peter says that he will follow Jesus even if it costs him his life. But in contrast, the fact that Jesus doesn't run away and he goes and is crucified for Peter, Peter does run away. So it shows that he's a sinner. He's a coward. He ran out, you know, he left Jesus. And the Pharisees, you know, don't, maybe didn't, weren't in conscious contact with the fact that they loved money more than God. But then Jesus had a way of using these examples and allowing the poor people to be around him in such a way as it made the Pharisees look bad. And that's what it says. And uh, they would get mad because their light, the light was shining. I think you guys understand what I'm saying. So Jesus's light would shine a light and make other people look bad. But the thing is, he would always say, hey, you see who you are now. Did you know that I love you? Did you know that you're forgiven? But one of the better examples I can think of, a lady is found in the very act of adultery. This is in the Gospel of John. Pharisees drag him before Jesus and say, our loss, this one was caught in the very act of adultery. Our law says we should stone her to death. What do you say? Jesus does not go, you guys are wrong. The law doesn't say we should stone her to death. You know, he doesn't say that. He lets the light shine. He doesn't say, no, you're wrong. This lady's not a sinner. He says, he shines the light brighter. He says, who among you here is without sin? He turns the light up. Let him who's without sin throw the first stone. And so in that bright light, everyone walks away. The Bible says, starting with the oldest, and then everyone drops their stones and walks away. Then he says to the lady, "Not again, not, hey, I have a secret for you. Adultery is actually fine, and you're not a sinner. Instead, he says, is there no one left here to condemn you? Then neither do I condemn you. So he's the one who's without sin. He could have thrown the stone. He was the only one that could. And he says, I don't condemn you either. He's like the one who has the right to do that. That's what we see in our verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
He's faithful and just to forgive us. He's the one who can do it. And so Jesus is the difference maker. He is the reason why saying that God's right about our sin is a good idea. If it wasn't for Jesus and his atoning death for our sins, then I guess run and hide from God as you can because, you know, there's no hope for you or me, you know. So um, these verses point to Jesus in, in, you know, the most clear and, and faithful way possible. So I hope this uh, episode has helped you. I know it is me. I, I, I hope you guys always hear that. I love doing this with you. I mean, this is so much fun for me. I love getting into these verses and uh, uh, it never helps. It never fails <laughs> to help me and encourage me and build me up. So I hope it does the same for you. Um, if you have any questions, you've got a verse you'd love to see put here on our program, um, you just email me at j. S-E-R-R-A, J. Sarah, J-S-E-R-R-A at thecrosspoint.com. And I'd love to hear from you and anything you love about the show or would like to see us do. So you let me know and uh, we'll see you next time.